that as well as, as some of the others. So I just want to touch on what I think is the substance of America's issue in false doctrine. And if you look at, if you look at Jonathan Edwards, what you'll see is that Jonathan Edwards in America, he started to battle what is called deism. And if you go, has anyone been to New England? If you go to any historical church in New England, what is it today? It's Unitarian. You go to any historical church in New England, and there is a gay pride flag hanging on the door, and it is Unitarian. And these are churches that were pastored by some of the most conservative, reformed preachers of their day. And today, every single one of them is Unitarian. Why? How does that happen? If these people that pastored these churches were as far right as you could be in conservative orthodoxy, what help what help do we have today in Syracuse, New York? Because I can't think of one church that is f- as far right as Jonathan Edwards. And yet, his church in Northampton is Unitarian. Here's what the Unitarians do. They reject the Trinity. They reject original sin. They reject predestination. They reject the infallibility of the Bible. They reject the idea of hell. You can only know what you know by reason and your conscience is your guide and you're free to believe anything you want to believe. That is the Unitarian doctrine. So, so in Jonathan Edwards was the 1700s, in 300 years, his church is unit. This is the guy that, that preached sinners in the hands of an angry God that wrote the freedom of the will that was as conservative, Calvinist, reformed, far right that you could ever be in his very church is Unitarian. He started by fighting the idea of Pelagianism. See, here's the subtle difference that we don't have, that we don't understand, is that that I'm talking about Syracuse in general and probably New York and the larger Christian church is that most of the pulpits are manned by people that are either, one, purposefully ignorant because they don't want to study and they don't want to be wise as serpents. Two, just don't have the brains to do it. Or three, they're a deceiver. And unless something changes... Why wouldn't this place look exactly like Boston 300 years from now and our children be seeped in Unitarianism? See, because what Jonathan Edwards saw was he saw the coming, the coming idea of Pelagianism. And Pelagianism is a denial of original sin and an acceptance of the innate goodness of man. The exact opposite of what we just taught for how long? Two years in Romans. Literally, the opposite of Romans is Pelagianism. Subtle Pelagianism 
unfortunately, everyone, is what we call Arminianism. But I'm going to let the Arminians be okay right now because I understand the struggle. But where Arminianism will tend to lead someone is eventually Pelagianism because it's the only place you have to go. And the minute you start to reject original sin and, and accept that man is only good, you are, you are going down the road of Unitarianism. And think of the churches where the ticklers are preaching. Think of the, the seeker-sensitive movement. It is at its core a denial of original sin and it is at its core an affirmation that you're, you're, you're a really good person. And here's what you need to hear because you deserve it and you're really good. And I'm going to say everything I can from this pulpit to get you and bring you in because it fills the pew. Pelagianism is going to lead to open theism. If you have a pen, write it down. Because here's the idea of open theism. Is that God has made his plans and knowledge conditional on what man wants to do. Open theism is the idea that God doesn't know the future and he just reacts to what man is doing. And so... When we struggle with the sovereignty of God, we are struggling with something that is crucial and innate to Christianity. And the more we deny the sovereignty of God, first of all, we deny the idea of God because a non-sovereign God is not a God. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking sovereignty in the scope of who God is in his being. I'm not talking about Calvinism and Arminianism right now. I'm talking about the idea that God is a sovereign God. It is a theistic statement that God is sovereign. In the 1600s, when the Westminster Confession of Faith was crafted, the theistic statement was put there that God decrees all that comes to pass, not as a support of Calvinism, but as a dispute against atheism. See, it's a theistic statement first and foremost. If God is not sovereign, he is not, he is not God. And so what the open theist wants you to, want you to subtly, subtly understand is, oh, you know, God laid down his sovereignty. It's a nice way of saying God's not sovereign. And it's a really nice way of saying God's not God. And the next step you make from open theism is deism. And deism is it. The minute you're a deist, now God not only sets aside his sovereignty, but God wound up a clock and left. And said, I'm just going to let this thing go where it goes. And you can't know me, you can't find me, you can't understand me. And know what, know what that means the minute you go down that road? Is that now, guess what? The Bible, it's no longer his word because you can't know him. You can't understand him. He's gone. And it's the road that America took in New England. And it's the subtle road that 
the church is always going down. So, I think the warning to us is significant. And I'll just end with this. Let's just end by, by looking at Paul. I appeal to your brothers. Watch out for those who cause divisions and who set traps for you contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. It's, it's specific. Hey, it's contrary. Listen, contrary to the doctrine that you have just been taught for two years. Avoid them. Separate from them. If we are the called out ones, the word that's used here is the same word for church. Called out, called out. We're called out of the world. In the same way that we're called out of the world, we're, we're called to separate from these people. See, we're not called to separate from the world. We're called to separate from these people, though. For such persons, they don't serve Jesus. They serve their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Don't be this person that Paul's talking to right here. Your obedience, yes, yes, I know you're obedient. And I rejoice in the fact that you're obedient. But I want you to be wise and to do what's good and innocent of what's evil. Obedience is good, but wisdom is better. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we just, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to, to look at your word. Father, I just pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds, Lord God, that you'd begin to help us to engage in your word and in for those of us, Lord God, that are struggling with these doctrines, these doctrines are not easy, Lord. These, we are studying an infinite God as a finite being. Help us, Lord. Help us to embrace the things that we can understand and try to understand the things that we can't yet embrace about you. Help us to embrace the things that we understand in Holy Spirit please, please Holy Spirit help us to understand the things that we can't yet embrace about you in Jesus name we pray Amen